everybody into gridiron japan zach kyleman here for the first ever edition of our show focusing on the gridiron game across the pacific in the land of the rising sun zach kyleman with my co-host greg james of cfl america radio joining me for this little venture greg first how are you doing bud i'm doing good my friend it's a nice saturday it's actually my birthday saturday and uh that. what better way to talk football uh what better way to celebrate uh, my birthday than talking football and not only talking football but talking football in, about talking american football in japan and with us today we have uh john gunning from inside sports japan and also if you have ever watched nhk the national broadcaster you've seen him talking sumo so John, hey, welcome, and uh, most importantly, welcome a fellow Bears fan. Thanks, Greg. Happy birthday. Happy early birthday to you. Zach, good to meet you. Glad to be along for the ride. Uh, looking mm-hmm. forward to talking some football in Japan. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be fantastic. I've been looking forward to this just to get, get into gear, and I, as we were discussing before the, before the show, really a crash course for me because I have, I, have, I, know, I know X-League. I understand it is the Japanese premier football league. Um, and that there are several divisions. So I guess let's just kick this thing off. Um, my understanding of it started in 1971, uh, was rebranded in 1997 as X League in terms of the naming. Uh, however, championships have been going on even earlier than that. How can you at least can you give us a short, I guess, a synopsis of the history of this league and formation? Yeah, I mean, you got it there. They Football has been played in Japan since then early 1930s, but uh, mostly it's university. I'll tell you something, that football in Japan mirrors a lot of football in the US in the early days. What you had in, we'll say the college football scene was the big one at first, and then you had, you know, we said earlier, my Bears fans, that Bears 1926 barnstorming tour where they all went all around the States and played a million games in, in three months, and that with Red Grange that made football big. It's kind of like that stage in Japan right now. Even though the league has been going for a long time, College football is still bigger in Japan, but the X-League, the level is much higher. So, yeah, you've got, as you said, it started 1971 as a, as a nationwide league. Um, 2000, uh, 1997, then they rebranded as the X-League. The national championship has been going since 87. That was called the to- Tokyo Super Bowl originally in 2003. Then they rebranded that again to the Japan Expo. So we're up to 34 if you're doing like Super Bowl numbers, we're up to 34 championships. Uh, Basically, there's two main areas of Japan, the Tokyo metropolitan area, and then the Kansai area, which includes Osaka, Kyoto, and and cities around there. They're the two centers of football in Japan. And the teams from the Tokyo metropolitan area and surroundings are the ones that have mostly been dominant. All the big seagulls have nine championships. They won their ninth one just uh, last year. And then behind them is the biggest team from the west side of Japan, from Osaka area. That's Panasonic Impulse. They have seven. Fujitsu Frontiers then have five. They will be the third. And they're the big three teams. So as you said earlier, you have club teams and you have company teams. Company teams were a lot more popular, more common before. But now we're down to basically, I think, just Fujitsu and Panasonic and a couple of smaller teams. So almost every team in Japan now is a club team, which for your... Listeners, maybe who've been listening into, you know, 
we'll say you're talking about European football, there's a lot of similarities to what's going on there. So most of the teams are recreational club, semi-pro teams with a handful of Americans and Japanese players who are working Monday to Friday. And you got 53 teams now in the X League uh, divided into four divisions. And as you said, there's promotion and relegation between the divisions. The highest level of it is somewhere between the CFL and the best teams in Europe. So, the, okay. you know, Japan has never lost a game at any level, to, at senior level, to any team from outside the US. So uh, it's not a fully pro league, so it obviously wouldn't compare with the CFL. But I, my own opinion is if the players in Japan, all of them were fully pro, that they were just concentrating on football, it would be close to the CFL in level. you got a lot of, you know, fully dedicated guys, but they're only able to put two, three days a week into football. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the highest level of football outside of the US or North America. Um, it's not a popular sport in Japan. I think it was the number 47 in sport rankings <laughs> in a poll done a few years ago. A so you've got this, uh, the X League is a weird kind of league because it's really high level. You've got a lot of stars in it. Of the 55 Americans who were in it two years ago, at least half of them have spent time with an NFL team. And I think only seven had never played for at least a Division I college. So you've got really good Americans, a handful of you know, big stars who have... You, you can't be pro in the X-League. So up to last year, if you had played regular season games in the NFL, you were, you were not allowed to join the X-League. Uh, that's no longer the case. They now have professional contracts. But yeah, it's a really high-level game that's not really popular among the general public or not really known among the general public, but uh, definitely worth watching. I guess that's an overview. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty good start, at least, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've, you've, you've hit it right on the money. And, you know, um, I've been to Japan eight times. My wife's Japanese, so I've got some insight in terms of just, you know, talking about, you know, when I've been over in Japan and, you know, and, and the areas I've gone have been in the more rural areas uh, down by Okayama and Kirat and Kirashiki, uh, football is not known. You say American football and they're like, uh, there's sometimes there's a uh, kind of a confused look depending upon who you talk to, um, you know, in Japan. But, you know, in terms of you know, you're talk, going back talking about the player, the American players who come over to Japan. How does that process? How, how do how do players from the United States make it their way to Japan? Is it by rec, who recruits them? And kind of give me give us a thumbnail sketch of how that how that goes. Well, I can answer that because that's literally something I have to answer every single day. I don't think since Inside Sport Japan started covering football in Japan in 2016. I don't think there's been a day that's gone by that at least one player hasn't mailed me saying, how can I get to Japan and how can I play here? The level obviously is attractive. The salaries are, from what I know of Europe, they're definitely well above what you can get in Europe. So you've got a good lifestyle. Obviously you're in Japan, it's a different culture. It's a very attractive place to live, safe, clean, great food, playing once every two weeks in the X League. So. You get players, a lot of players want to come here. How they get here? Basically, the short answer to that is somebody who's already here through connections. So I did a poll, we did a poll a few years ago where we asked every single X-League player, every single American, they're all American, 
it's it's very rare that anyone not American comes and plays here. But uh, we asked them how they got to Japan, what their team pays for. Uh, what else did we asked them? Well, yeah, their salaries, you know, would they change team? A whole kind of things. But almost exclusively, they got here through somebody else already here. A couple of guys got in through cold calling and contact sending emails. But because most teams don't have English speakers and they they have four slots open and they have these really high level players trying to get here, they routinely just ignore contacts. You get the same reception emailing or messaging a Japanese X League team as you would with an NFL or CFL team. Basically, you get no answer essentially. So if you know a player or a coach that's already here and that team is looking for someone and you have a good relationship, you might be able to get a tryout. Most of the top teams like Fujitsu, Obik and Panasonic, they use their own recruiting methods. They use their own context. So a lot of the teams and coaches in Japan have NFL connections. They have division one connections. A lot of the coaches here, when they played, they, made, they were friends who were with guys who are now coaching in the States. So it's very hard to get in. Um, it's not impossible, and there are players who have just message teams, especially the lower-level teams, and gotten in. But uh, the other thing then is you need to work in Japan, you need a visa, and it's not easy to get a visa. Basically, you need a four-year college degree. So if you haven't graduated from university with a four-year degree, you're not going to come and play here, essentially. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Teams also, in recent times, they've started holding open tryouts, usually in February, but you'd need to be in Japan for those. You know, mm. you need to be here, you need to be playing. So uh, some teams will fly players in for tryouts. Some like Challengers and some other teams have held tryouts in California and other places and then interviewed and talked to players there. But still, the number one way to get into Japan is through connections and contacts. Um, but also you need to have a high level. I don't want to just, you know, I mean, there, there are players in the NFL who have played, you know, D2 and D3. So, you know, there are great sure. players at every level, but the reality about Japan is there are so few places uh, for paid players and they're so, those places are so attractive that the players who are here don't want to leave and the players trying to come in are of a very high level. So unless you've played football, at least at an FCS level, it's going to be very, very hard to even get a look at a tryout in Japan. That's just the reality of it. I, I you know, that's it, not the first time I've heard something with international ball. I have actually had some players uh, in my conversations in the European scene alone where they even argue that it can be harder to get into those leagues than even say going than even say trying to find like you know leagues in America. Like we're talking, you know, your indoor footballs or even trying to get back to the NFL at times because you know the import rules really sometimes dictate. And well, I guess in this case for the Jap for Jap for the X League <laughs> divisions, it's mostly about just the quality of life. So, you know, why give up your slot if you already are enjoying what you have? It just doesn't make sense in that case. So it's kind of like you're putting in a almost like a ticket at a deli, you know, <laughs> you, know yeah. you can get in. In Europe, I think the advantage that Europe has is there are so many teams and so many leagues That's that um, imports can get into a team in Serbia or Turkey or Ukraine or Moscow or Russia or whatever can perform well and then jump. And, you know, this, you see a lot of movement in Europe. 
players jumping from Sweden to Denmark to France usually. So I think it's much easier to get your foot in the door in Europe than work your way up if you, if you perform well or at least find other opportunities because there's so many more teams in so many more countries. Japan, the, the top league has eight teams. The top division of the X League has eight teams. And up to last year, one of those teams didn't import anyone. So you had seven teams. Then you had in the second tier, three, four teams maybe that were paying players. So you're, you're talking about a total of 11 teams in Japan. And, you know, so <laughs> there you right, are. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. Well, and then the other other thing, too, is going to Japan versus, say, going to Europe is also the cultural and the language issues. And how do, um, you know, I know you've been in Japan for a very long time, and you can speak from personal experience on those challenges. But And so when the players come over, what is the, what is the first major obstacle for playing in Japan on a cultural and language level um, for a lot of the new players that come in? So that's very dependent on the team that they come to. So there isn't really a standard way of operating when it comes to American players in Japan. And the variances between the teams is enormous in terms of the salary, the housing provided, the gyms, transport, all kinds of things, the level of staff, the, the amount of staff that can speak English, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you'll find all kinds of stories. But I think for a lot of the players, especially you find most of them didn't even know there was football in Japan before they got here. So probably in the same position that a lot of your audience would be in, you know, oh, there's football in Japan, didn't know about that. And they got in through some friend or contact. When they come out here, Japan is very, very different, as you said, but football is football. So, you know, I think they tend to use that as the hook to get into the country. So, you know, they're, they're practicing, they're playing, the terminology is very similar to it is in the States. And football is football the world over. So if you're able to play football, you're, you're able to do your job in Japan. You know, sure. so, and also it can be a very difficult country to live in, but Initially, I think th there's a really long honeymoon period in Japan because everything is so similar on the surface, but then everything is a little bit off or a little bit different compared to what you would know. So, you know, you're like a kid in Wonderland for the first year, essentially. You're like, oh, look at this, look at that. Wow, this tastes different. What the hell is this? You know, like, so when you're going to the supermarket and you're, you have no idea what you're buying, it's an adventure and it's fun. It's like when you're in year two and year three and you're putting yogurt on your in your coffee because you bought the wrong thing in the supermarket, then you're throwing it across the room in frustration. You know? But <laughs> I think, you know, the first year, and of course, you know, teammate Japan, it's very much a um, in and out group centered culture. So if you're in a team, you're very much part of that team and you have a lot of help and support from teammates. So I, I haven't really heard any horror stories. Some guys come out and they spend a year and they just, it's not for them or, but mostly they live like they miss their family, they miss their kids if they have them or they miss their friends or just the life. But um, yeah, a lot of guys come out and now you see them spend eight, 10 years here and then stay on as coaches and just build families and lives in Japan. So um, yeah, I'm no different in that respect. I, I came first on a holiday, fell in love with the place and then moved here nine months later, you know, so. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I was over in Japan in '94 and uh, came away with a wife. So, <laughs> I understand. I understand very much that, uh, that. Now, obviously, I've not lived in Japan. I've only been there for short periods of time, and but um, I understand, like you said, talking about the wowness factor. So, uh, but I can also, I also understand too that after a period of time, like you said, that wears off, and then. Yeah, you have to either sink or swim being for lack, you know, we'll use the term here being a gaijin in Japan is not easy. And especially in a country where there are so few people from who are, who are foreign, there's so few foreigners in comparison to say the States or in Europe um, or I, maybe even, I don't know what the, but back home in Ireland, is it kind of the same makeup in terms of just um, home, you know, in terms of just foreigners versus Irish. Well, yeah, when I was growing up, I never yeah. saw anyone who was right. foreign or of a different color, you know, creed or anything to me. Everyone was, you know, same race, same religion, same everything right. when I was growing up. So um, I understand that kind of, you know, uh, monocultural background to it. So, yeah. but yeah. it, yeah, it's difficult, as you said, but it, I mean, players, I think, well, like you said, football is football. Right. And yeah. I know even just listening to some of the Japanese baseball podcasts that I've listened to and hearing some of the players, um, it goes back to that, you know, they're there to play baseball. And that's the one thing that, you know, sports is – Zach and I have had this conversation offline. The language of sports is kind of universal. Right. And uh, I know in my day job I had to deal with uh, – um, I had to deal with something involving baseball and had an interpreter and the interpreter turned out to not have, he, he did not grow up on, in the Western hemisphere. So yeah. we're talking, we're talking baseball and I'm having somebody from Spain trying to translate first base. And I'm like, no, just say first base. I would say <laughs> that um, culturally the thing that the players who survive the longest year and that who thrive in Japan say and when they give advice to anyone coming is be flexible be right. flexible because it's different Japan is different Japan has been doing things its own way for a long long time so you're not going to come in and change it football is the same but there are going to be cultural differences you're going to have coaches so for example you know running for six hours in the heat that's not something that happens in football practices in the states like a lot of the players say you know two three hour practices are as long as they get but in japan you know five six seven hour practices are the norm in most sports if you watch the there's a comedy called mr baseball with tom Selleck. i always say to players they should watch that as a an orientation video before they come to japan or they should read you gotta have war the robert whiting book you know i think that movie might have been based on that book but you, that's the lesson that you get from both of those. It's to be flexible. You know, you're not going to change Japan, so you know you might as well just go with the flow. Um, there are things you won't like. There are things that will seem counterintuitive or crazy as an athlete or from a team perspective. But you know, you're not going to change them. So to save yourself frustration and creating disharmony, which is the thing that people here hate the most. You just, you know, swallow your pride and just be willing to, you know, go with the flow and try something new. I think if you can do that, you'll be fine in Japan. Yeah. I mean, I banged my head off mm -hmm. a wall for the first five years, you know, trying to do things my own way. And uh, 
then like every other nail, I was hammered down. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that Japanese phrase, the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. But uh, I am, I'm very well, I'm very well aware of it, Zach. I don't know about you, may, but. You may have heard of it. I am the least uh, acquainted to Japanese culture. I have never been myself. So uh, it, it is a place I desire to go visit someday. You should. It's a, it's a great place. You know, I've lived here for two decades and I'm seeing something new still every single day. So, yeah. Nice. And, uh, you know, and John and I have talked offline and Zach, you and I've talked, but, you know, I'll be heading there in the, in the next couple of years and can't wait to get there. But I know there's going to be challenges, too. And, you know, talk, again, going back to talking about some of those challenges, um, teamwork, teamwork is the key in football. And to me, when I try to explain, at least to people who are Japanese here and speak English, and we have this conversation about sports, and they don't know anything about American football, I always tell them, I go, it is very, it, to me, it embodies a lot of what makes Japan great Japanese sports. So much teamwork. Everybody is dependent upon everybody doing their job. John, do you find um, when you're talking football over there and to people, you know, people don't know much about American football, is that something you bring up in those conversations? You, you know, Greg, that's, that is the key point for the success of Japanese football. The hard work and the ethic is obviously, you know, second to none, but um, the teamwork. So if you look at the average Japanese player, so I often get into, you know, uh, heated discussions online with some <laughs> European football fans and players about different things and the level of the game. Because in, in Europe, there hasn't really been the exposure to Japanese football. So for GFL teams or AFL teams or some of those big powerhouses in Europe, they've often considered themselves the best level outside the States. And, but you know, what is it? Uh, Japan has played 10 games against Europe and the, it's 10 and 0 and the total points scored is something like 333 to 60 points. So it's an average of a 38-3 win anyway, over 10 years. And none of those games have been close. So. The last time Germany played Japan in 2014, I was at the game and Japan annihilated Germany and they were playing their second and third string in the second half and just messing around. So teamwork, obviously players here start at a young age. That's the key huge difference that Japan and Mexico have when it comes to football. You know, there's a solid college system, which you cannot replace. You cannot pick up a game like football as an adult and expect to be at the level of people who've been playing it since they were in, you know, elementary school. There's just, it's too, there's too much mental stuff going on in football. And the, you rely, as you guys know, you rely on all the other players and on a play, if a single person gets, you know, misses their assignment, the play gets busted. So in Japan, there's those six hour practices then, like they're followed by intense studies. So you rarely see anyone make a mistake in Japan, everyone knows their assignment on every play. Like it's compared to, we'll say, it's not NFL level, obviously, but compared to other countries and other leagues. And what sets Japan apart from Europe, which has bigger players, stronger players, and faster players on average across the board, is their knowledge and experience and their ability to work as a team. So in that Germany game that I talked about, the thing that was really noticeable is even though the German offensive line was much bigger, they couldn't handle the Japanese pass rush because they couldn't handle the exotic schemes and where the players were coming from. And 
it was a completely scheme teamwork effort. It was the Japanese players weren't beating them on on power, or speed off the edge or anything like that. They were just it was too complex, mm. and so that that ability to work together and the coaches who come out here, they always say that coaching Japanese players is a dream. You know, you, you're coaching in the States at college level and every, you know, every second guy is going, Hey, why are we doing this? Or I think we should do that. Or Hey coach, why won't, why don't we don't run these routes or thing? But in Japan, nobody talks back to their coaches, you know, I mean, you could go into a whole thing about the, the pros and cons of that kind of culture, <laughs> but for a coach, it's like you tell a player to do something in Japan and they do it. And they go and do it or you, te- you tell them do it this way or go run that or do that. They do it and they, they respect the coaches and they follow to a T what they're told to do. And, you know, they will drill it and drill it and drill it. As with everything in Japan, it's, it's a lifelong passion for people and they just work at it and work at it and work at it until they have it like perfected to a level that you just don't see anywhere. And that's not just football. That's everything in Japan down to the most minor jobs that you could imagine. Um, you know, sweet street sweepers are becoming the you know perfect street sweeper. You know, it's like that's a ridiculous example, but it's no, like it's, that. In no, it's not, John. I've been I've been to Japanese bases, and you yeah. could eat off the sidewalk. Yeah. There is so much pride taken in to you know the Japanese work ethic. I love, and yeah. as somebody you know spent thirty years in the military, um, you didn't see that. At least in my experience in the military, you didn't see, at least on the military side, you didn't see that type of pride, even that type of teamwork at times in the military. But in Japan, you know, it is it is like you said, coaches think, it. you know, you said coaches have said it's a dream that to, to coach players like that, because, you know, here in the States, everybody, you know, I mean, you think about right now what we're dealing with at the college level. Um, now basically the college, college has become pro ball in in some ways. I, you don't, you know, even I don't, you don't, uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's not the, that way in Japan, um, in the football level. No, because like I said, apart from the four Americans on the big teams that are getting paid, none of these Japanese guys, very few, there's a, there's a handful of them, but the vast, vast majority, 99.99% of Japanese ex-league players don't get paid. So they're working Monday to Friday, sometimes on Saturday mornings as well. And, you know, they're, you know what the Japanese work day is like. You've got people in the office at 8 a.m. and they're there till 11 o'clock at night. And then they're coming home an hour on the train and then, you know, a couple hours sleep and then back at it again. And they're doing that Monday to Friday. Then Saturday and Sunday, the entire weekend is taken up. If there's no game, they're practicing both the days all day. And if there is a game, they're still practicing on the Saturday. So wow. it's... The dedication and the work ethic is, yeah, second to none. You know, it puts every other country to shame. And I, I, my sporting experience in Japan, I did soccer when I came here first, but then I switched to sumo. And yeah, it's, you know, it's like those sumo trainings and practices were like nothing I'd ever done in any other sport. Even putting aside the violence of sumo itself as a sport, which in football terms is probably closest thing would be uh, all-line play all-line run blocking, which is the closest thing you can get to sumo, but um, just the length and the intensity of the practices and just the dedication of people, you know, even on, even for kids clubs every Wednesday after school, like they're coming in. I have a baseball team. To give you another example, I have a high school baseball team that's across the road from me. Their school is an hour and a half away by train. They're here every single day. They take the train after they finish their schoolwork. 
and they're practicing until late in the night, every single day. Saturday and Sunday, they're up before the dawn, they're running around and then the lights are on late at night. They don't take a day off. They train seven days a week and they're a high school baseball team. They train, I would say they train like 12, 14 hours both days on the weekends, you know. It's just insane. Have they made if if have they made it with all that training? Have they made it to coach? Have uh, they made it to the show and coaching? Not in recent years. Not in recent years. You know, um, they 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 were good a couple of decades ago, but you know their training is not outside the norm. That's right. literally what every high school in Japan is doing, and probably doing more in some cases. So right, you right. know, it's like you're you're competing again. You're not going to outwork. A Japanese team, or you're not going to outwork, you know, a sporting team from here. So, just right. the, a lot of the players when they come here as well, they say that's the thing. Like, get ready to run, and you have to, you know, you have to work on your cardio and your fitness like that because it's like it's 37, feels like 37 degrees. This was written on my phone here yesterday. So, yeah, um, oh, I don't know what's that like. It's nearly 98 degrees American, but um, it's called uh, Mississippi hot. Yeah, Mississippi <laughs> that hot. sounds about right. <laughs> And humid, yeah, and humid. So, I mean, you're yeah. running around, like even right. walking in that has you, you know, pouring with sweat. So you can imagine yeah. four-hour training, five-hour trainings, you know. Well, to quote, Jack, to quote Jack Elliott, Mr. Baseball, yeah. Mac, we're not athletes, we're baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great lines in that film. Oh, my God. And to think so, I used to complain about two days in high school, you know, and I'm hearing all of that. At, you least know, two, at least your two they had a break in between. Well, right? that's the thing. Like I imagine yeah. it does not have that break. No. Anyway. It's just a one a day, but it just doesn't have a break. It's the entire day. I've been through I've been through combat training twice with the Army and the Navy. And I can honestly say, and I've seen, you know, I've been in Japan, I've seen kids train for and I'm like, you know what? At least in the Army and the Navy, we got we got a water break. We 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 got we got a little downtime. That's that it, and it goes to what, you know, going to what you're saying, just the, the training and the work ethic. Now, let's stay in on that. Mm. Let's talk about the college, the college game there. Right. Yes. What yes. is the, co- and, uh, you know, so we, I know that the, the training is probably, I'm guessing the same, if not maybe even more at the, at the college level. Well, at the college level, yeah, it's, it's every single day. And yeah. the big teams like, you know, Kansai, Kansai Gakuen fighters or Nichidai, Nichidai have like 120 players on their, roster you know and they're so they're playing yeah they run out of numbers they have the players with the same numbers on offense and defense all all season but um they yeah they train it like so the rice bowl which is the overall so the x-league i should say the x-league championship game was called the japan x bowl up to this year and it was held in december right the one day before that was the college championship game national championship game which is koshien bowl and up to January of this year, from 1984, I think it started, the college champion and the ex-league champion would meet in to decide the overall champion of Japan. So basically, you know, it's the States, you have Alabama or Georgia or LSU or whatever playing, you know, the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not say any other team. I don't know, but, but if you've, I don't know, but if you've seen Alabama and the Bears, I, that actually might be an even match, at least in the recent years. But with that, I digress. Go ahead. Well, John, wouldn't. I'm sorry. This is the thing. This is another thing. I, I, so I would say like any NFL teams putting a hundred points on any college team, you know, 
So it's just the thing of, you know, you have the best 1% of high school players make it to college, the best 1% of college players. So every, every single player, no matter how bad they are at an NFL level, was a college star. But you know sure. what I mean, you saw. But Japan didn't have that kind of dramatic level difference until recently. So now the X-League teams have, over the past five, six, seven years, the X-League has just jumped up in level year by year. They've brought in higher level players, higher level coaches, the competitiveness has just gone through the roof. Um, and so the college teams, for all their practicing and for all their numbers, they just couldn't, physically, they just couldn't live with the X-League teams anymore. And so it was becoming a little bit dangerous, you know. So finally, in January this year, they, they decided to stop it. But the college, the college game up to about 10 years ago was analogous to the X-League in terms of level. Um, it's the longest and most established game in Japan, uh, but it doesn't have an NCAA type organization. So it would be like, uh, yeah, it, it maybe like football, college football in the States, uh, you know, in, in the past. So you have um, eight main regions in Japan. So they'd be like eight conferences, like the SEC or whatever, but they're, they're regional in Japan. So eight, eight regions in Japan have their own competition or tournament and then the champions of those eight regions go into the national tournament but in reality it's the same as with the x-league you have got the tokyo and osaka areas have the, the big teams, so they always dominate and one of the teams from those two areas always wins and in japan the most dominant team is kwansei gakuin university fighters so they i think it was in like 34 35 they have the most national championships of any college team in the world, basically. Okay. And then wow. you have Nihon University, which is the biggest team up in Tokyo. They are second and they're on like 21 or something like that. So they're the two big rivals. Um, and then you have a bunch of other teams. But like, so Rikyo, which is St. Paul's University, they're the one that Paul Rushku is the, the guy who came and started football in Japan. Rushers is their name. They're... They're a kind of big team too. They're not as successful as the others, but they have the oldest program. They've been going continuously since 1934. Wow. But the college game, at the, the bigger games, like the Koshien Bowl and some of those, like they, they get big crowds because obviously, you know, they have a lot of, they have alumni and they have the fans and supporters. So that's something that pro teams or semi-pro teams don't have. They don't have 70 years of, you know, alumni, <laughs> people who, <laughs> so you have the players who played for the team, but you don't have, as in a college, you have everyone who attended that university is also a fan of that team, right? So, true, right, well. true, right. so you, you'll never have that at a, on a semi-pro pro team. Um, and, and that's why college football is so big everywhere, right? The, the, yeah, the yeah. difficulties of getting, of getting that, you know, of get it, building a fan base if it's not, you know, it's not school spirit as much. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, you know makes sense to me uh yeah. and so you're you stressed by the way that you know this has become just a recent split now um what is the new i'm assuming the new championship formats what the old japan expo is and how yeah. are they so are they basically just, they, that's just the, uh, the that's just it now for the end of the season shebang or what else comes yeah with yeah yeah that's it exactly so they essentially they just dumped the japan expo and then they just made the rice bowl which is always held on january 3rd the it's now called the Japan National Championship X League Rice Bowl or something. It's got some really okay. long, it's, but it's essentially the Rice Bowl. So the Rice Bowl on January 3rd, now from next January, 
becomes the X-League Championship game. So the college teams are no longer part of it. Gotcha. They'll still have their own championship in the Koshien Bowl, but and in preseason, you know, you still have a lot of college teams playing X-League teams. So in Japan, maybe I should explain that as well. So there's two seasons in Japan. There's a spring season and a fall season. The fall season is the real season. That runs basically from August to December. Seven games for the top division, six games for the second division. Uh, teams play every two weeks. And then the top four teams in the top division meet in semifinals, one versus four, two versus three. Top two then will meet in the Rice Bowl on January 3rd to decide the national championship. That used to be the Japan Expo, which was held in December, but that's just basically been cut and the championship has moved over to the Rice Bowl. College teams will have the same situation. They will play their games in fall and then the, have their kind of national championship, but basically it'll end up in the champion of Tokyo versus the champion of the Osaka area. Okay. And the spring season in both college and the X-League, they are usually regional tournaments. So they're not all of Japan. So the teams in West Japan would usually play each other in some kind of mini tournament. The teams in Tokyo area would play each other. That Those are various tournaments called the Pearl Bowl, the Green Bowl. Um, but also you have a lot of challenge games, college teams versus X-League teams. And those, I mean, there's a championship for both of those, but it's basically, you know, some teams take it seriously, some don't, some use it to just work stuff out or play their second and third string players, give them experience. The smaller teams tend to be more serious about it because it's a chance of glory. But, you know, it's like if, if you ask somebody to name the Pearl Bowl champions for the last 10 years, I don't think anyone would get past two years into it. So, yeah. <laughs> Even I would struggle to get three, I think. <laughs> So many it's just, it's, you know, not not to rain on anyone's parade, but, you know, it's not something anyone really seriously cares about. Although I'm sure right. I'm going to go to Hassan now for saying that. <laughs> a lot of tune-up stuff is what, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah it's preseason football, you know. Right. I don't care if they call it. it it's preseason, but it's a tournament, essentially. Right, you know? right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and going back to that, talking about, you know, the bowl games and every, you know, the rice, you know, the rice ball, the Koshin ball, in terms of venues, now, for those who, are, who know, don't know anything about Japan, the Koshin Bowl, that is played not in Tokyo, but that is played down in Kansai at yeah. um, the, how do I want to describe it for, it is basically Japan's version of Wrigley Field and Fenway Park all yes. in one. Yes. And it is, you know, and I've watched a few few of those bowls on, on YouTube, fortunately. And it is, um, it's very old school because, you know, you're, you still have an infield, uh, a dirt infield on, you uh, in those games and um so you've got coaching for the for for the college the college championship mm -hmm. and then for the x league they're playing in the tokyo dome that's right so yeah. those are your two venues but do a lot of the teams in japan share stadiums because i know in the x league i see many teams playing at kawasaki mm. no team has its own stadium okay so um koshien bowl yeah the koshien stadium is babe ruth and played there and you know so it's like you say it's Fenway Wrigley rolled into one with all that kind of history and it's the so the Hanshin Tigers who own that stadium and they're the, the Red Sox Cubs type of team of Japan um, and then the Yamiuri Giants in Tokyo they're the Yankees you know so they're the two big rivals but like the, the Hanshin Tigers get kicked out of their own stadium for a month in August when the high school tournament is played every year 
So the high school baseball tournament takes precedence over the major league tournament, you know. Oh, but wow. um, that's that's probably one of the biggest sporting events in Japan every single year. Is that Koshien High School baseball tournament? Japan loves young athletes, like the youth. You know, the high school and the university, the high school especially. You know, they love the next big thing, that that blossom of youth and the glory, and you know, so it's it's huge here. But uh, much bigger, the ex- much bigger than the much bigger than the the final four here in the states, much much bigger. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's not a bad comparison because you have, I think, with the final four, you a lot of people who don't really care about basketball watch that and have some you know sort of rooting interest in it and do you know betting do out there, uh, yeah, betting and put out like who they think is going to win and so right. you know, Kojian is a little bit like that. People who wouldn't normally be into baseball would be watching it. So yeah, it's it's not a bad comparison actually, but um, yeah, for the X League, none of the teams own their own stadium. So they're basically Fujitsu Stadium, which is in Kawasaki. Uh, it's partly owned, I think, by Kawasaki Frontale, which is a big soccer team here, and maybe the city of Kawasaki. So that's where most of the games in Tokyo would take place. It's football-specific stadium. It used to be a baseball stadium, and then it was knocked down and rebuilt. It's a football-specific stadium now. Okay. Um, in Kansai, there's a couple of stadiums, OG Stadium and Expo. But a lack of good football grounds is definitely noticeable in Japan. And it's, it's one of the weakest areas, probably, of football in Japan is a lack of dedicated football grounds. Teams have their own practice you know, facilities, but they're not set up with stadium-type seating, so they're not suitable for, for games. Um, so the college, they're basically, so say OG and Expo in Kansai, then in Tokyo you have Fujitsu and Amino Vital. So there's basically four, four locations where probably 90% of the games take place. Then you have Tokyo Dome for the, you know, the championship game because that can get up to 35,000 people at a game. Yeah. So you know they need a they need a lot. So the average probably is like thirty to thirty five thousand every year for the championship game right. there. Well, I mean that's CFL equivalent. I mean that's a CFL type of attendance right, right there. But then the, the just to highlight the difference, then you'll have regular season games with two and three thousand people at them. That's also know? CFL type. <laughs> well, I, I think the CFL is yeah, the CFL is actually a good comparison for the X League. Right. It's like it, imagine if the CFL was semi pro. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I was saying, I was joking about the CFL, but in Toronto, eh, not so much because that is an apt comparison with Toronto as oh, yeah. in the last few years. Um, I should go. But get yeah. My, no, the crowds I, are, the, the crowds are really good when, you know, my wife and I, you know, my wife was impressed like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, and she be her being Japanese, you know, and she watches American. Well, she watches me watch American football here, but um but no, and watching, you know, the, the games at the Tokyo Dome, going, wow, there's a lot of people there. She was surprised because, yeah. um, like you said, it's just not well known. Now, with that said, let me ask about media coverage in terms of television. All right. Do you, where do you find the X League in college football on TV in Japan right now? You don't. You don't, basically. It's not on TV. Okay. Um the Koshien Bowl, the former Japan X Bowl, the now defunct Japan X Bowl, and the Rice Bowl, those get shown on NHK, which is 
the national TV network. So it'd be the closest thing in the States, maybe like ABC, NBC, CBS, one of those kind of legacy networks. So Japan has one of those. It's a national broadcaster. It's part owned by the government. Um, it'd be closer to maybe BBC, BBC. So that kind of, that kind of channel, you know, subsidized by television license fee, etc. So they show the championship game, but they don't show it on terrestrial television. They show it on their satellite channel, ah, which okay. is a paid subscription service. So free to air TV doesn't have football in Japan. The X League had over the last several years. So it, it used to be in the 1990s, football was much, much bigger in Japan. So the Pearl Bowl, that preseason tournament, the face of the Pearl Bowl was Joe Montana. He used to come over every year and he would be, and that game would get, 25, 30,000 people, the, all of the big college programs. So if, if you look at, we'll say, a lot of the guys who are coaches now are players who are in the 40s or 50s, almost all of them played in Japan when they were in college. So you had all of the big college programs coming over every year. And there was all-star games, there was the Epson Bowl, there was uh, Ivy League colleges. You had like Bo Jackson used to, I can't remember what team was it, Ohio? State. Oh, he played. He played for Auburn, but yes. Auburn. Sorry. Okay, but yeah. so you had a, you had all these like big college programs coming over, playing each other every year. You had college all star games where a lot of the best college players from the states would come over and play an all star game in Japan. You had NFL games here on a regular basis. So football used to be big and it used to be on TV, but uh, when the bubble economy in Japan burst, a lot of the top teams in, at the time were sponsored and by banks and you know there was a huge financial crash so all the banks pulled their money and a lot of teams went bankrupt or turned into small club teams and just the money wasn't there and then football just went into a decline so now you you can't really watch it on free to air tv the x league over the past several years has been showing games on youtube or various different channels most of the time they're not accessible outside the outside of japan unless you use some vpn and even then it can be difficult from this year, they're using 11 sports. I'm not sure if you're familiar with 11 sports. They're, they do a lot of stuff in the States, uh, mm. those like virtual football games. And they did the Japan Spring League game when the Japan national team took on the Spring League team. Um, so they're, they actually, for the first time that I know of, they're starting a paid service. So it's 5,000 yen, about 50 bucks for the season pass, which won't include the championship game because that's on satellite tv um but yeah so this year it seems like they're going to be showing them on on 11 sports which is not something most people would be aware of i mean very few people would even be aware of 11 sports as a, as a platform in japan so okay. we'll see how that goes but it's the biggest issue in terms of the popularity of football here is definitely exposure right you know? right so it doesn't even the newspapers i mean it might get a mention for big games or you know there's some yeah. dedicated journalists who obviously are fans of the right. game and they'll, they'll write little bits and pieces before I, I, we started covering it in 2016 so basically inside sport japan covered the x-league a little the end of 2016 but we covered the 2017 18 seasons and like we covered every single game at that time right. we had photographers and writers at every game and then there was that was the first time really anyone had covered it properly in english and a lot of the players who are here now, not a lot of the players, but several of the players who are here now said that they first became aware of the X-League because they were able to read about it in English through our stuff. And then they, you know, came over here. And we actually helped some guys actually come out. But um, 
now that we don't really cover it anymore, uh, it's back to, and the X-League cut all of their English content in 2019, and they deleted all the previous English content that was on the thing. So unless you speak Japanese, it's going to be hard to find any kind of, I would say actually this podcast now is the main (laughs) coverage of Japanese football, which is, you know, it's great, but it's also, it's a sad indicator of the state of coverage of the game here, you know? Right. Well, I, and uh, yeah, go ahead, Zach. I'm sorry. Well, I, didn't I just you. find that fascinating. It almost seems like it's, you know, kind of, kind of kneecapping growth yeah. at that point. I don't, I don't really get that, I guess, or what yeah. the purpose yeah. would be. I mean, I'm maybe it's just something that I, I mean, for me, you know, we're talking, this is alternative football landscape in my eyes. So, you know, unless you're talking NFL, it's trying to grow a sport to, you know, maybe not, you're not catching up to the NFL, but you want it to be something that, is more widely known, you know, and if it used to be more popular, why not help it become more popular? Then? Well, that's the question, isn't it? You know, that's your reaction is the absolutely correct standard reaction because, you know, not to, you know, call anyone out, but I mean, definitely there's an issue in terms of certain elements within the game seem content to keep it as a small little niche club sport and they actively work against uh, any kind of coverage. And I mean, there's a lot of great people obviously who want to grow the sport and, you know, think, but it does, it, it definitely lacks on the promotional and business side. So most of the people in it are football people. So you don't have a lot of business people. You compare and contrast it to something like the ELF in Europe, which I mean, for all the problems and issues that that league has, look at the, the promotional side. I mean, I, I don't know where all these, like, um, even on the social media side, so ELF info group, ELF fans, mm-hmm. like, so there's a lot of, I don't know if the league actually set up all those fan sites or whatever, but however it was done, I mean, you look at the promotion side of it in, in six months, like what they've done, so... It's just like if that can be done for a league that's obviously played at a lower level, why can't why can't Japan do, which has a much higher, better level product, do even a tenth of it? So that, that for me is always one of the big issues, the big problems I had. That there's this fantastic problem on the field, but it's getting absolutely no proper promotion or push. And efforts are being made, but they're just not the right, you know, the money has been put into the wrong areas or right. efforts that we put into the wrong areas, I think. So the streaming uh, service, I think that is something I, when I, when Greg and I believe yourself, John were telling me this year, I'm like, that's a good step. You know, that, I mean, cause I think internationally that's big for growing any, you know, for football being an American sport, right. I think getting at least some international audience is a key element. If you actually want to grow the product you're trying to grow, that is football, you know, like the ELF for crying out loud. I know. I mean, it's, it seems like the American audience has grown to it because they're like, well, broadcast quality is nice. Like we see in America for the most part. Yeah. So that helps like, over 50% of my problems with watching anything post and or anything on a non on NFL landscape. There you go. If you have decent broadcast quality and you have English language commentary, you're going to just, you know, explode your sport anyway. I mean, that's, that's all you need, you know, it's like you, even in terms of like streaming it or how much money you're making for it, that's that's kind of secondary. You know, you want to get your presence out there. You want to put your product in front of people. You know, you want to get the next generation of players. So exposure is the key. Right. But and, well, and, you know. and on that, let me ask you. Um, you know, we've had 
we've had Japan, we've had Japanese players this summer come real close to making some teams here. Yeah. Will actually have made it, I think. Didn't, a couple uh, a couple yeah. have. We have we fortunately if 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 from what I saw is correct, we've had at least one make the team on the blue bombers. Hmm. Les Maro, right? The yes. linebacker. He meant, yeah. And they put Machino on the practice squad. I saw the old lineman. But I think Yamazaki, the kicker as well at the BC Lions, I think he's made the squad, hasn't he? I didn't see him. I would have, I, I'll have to look because I know they, you know, right as of last I saw, they were still finalizing a lot of rosters. I know, unfortunately, the kicker for uh, who was trying out for the uh, Toronto Argonauts did not make it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I but, and actually, <laughs> He's a good friend of mine, and I uh, I spent like $280 to get his jersey out here with his number. Even before <laughs> I knew his number, I just got number one on it because he was like the first Japanese player in the CFL. But like, So now it's it's conversation starter. That's, right. that's what that jersey nice. is. You know? I'm gonna, anytime I'm going to meet anyone from Toronto, they're going, there's no one Sato. There's nobody number one. Who is that jersey? <laughs> well, when, when you know, he made the announcement on Twitter, I felt bad for him, so I sent him a, a, a private, you know, private message from the CFL America account. I go, "Hey, don't give up, don't give up." Yeah. But and and like true Japanese spirit, he's like, "I'm not giving up," and that's what I. That's you know, like you got you can't help but love a guy like that. Yeah, um, is is a really really good kicker. I think he'll he'll still I think get a chance maybe somewhere in the right. CFL. He was in spring league. You never know. I mean, he's right. Well, and and that kind of gets to my question. If let's say. Let's say for hypothetically, we don't, you know, maybe he will be, but if he makes either a CFL or NFL team, would that in Japan change the dynamics of the sport over there? Because I know what happened many, many years ago when Nomo obviously pitched for the Dodgers and that opened the floodgates. And all of a sudden now people, you know, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you know, Hideki Matsui played for the Yankees. Because of guys who those first guys who came over here, like Nomo, what would yeah, it's you know that's an in, it's an interesting question and it's an interesting idea. Baseball obviously is different because that's Japan's national sport and that was huge right. here anyway. Mm-hmm. I think if you could say Nakata Hidetoshi who played in Europe in soccer, so soccer is probably not your guys' thing, but like so. Nakata was a player who went and played in Europe. There was a couple of the Japanese players who went abroad and played in soccer leagues in Europe and South America before him, but he was the first big star and he opened the floodgates in Europe. Europe, obviously, for soccer is like North America for gridiron football, right? It's, it's okay. the, the home of it. So, um, but as far as with the NFL, there's a single major professional league. In soccer, there's about 22 NFLs spread around the globe right so and then there's another like 50 cfls so like you know so soccer obviously is, has a much more opportunities but yeah he did a similar thing for soccer here so then there was the world cup obviously which was played in japan in 2002 and it was a professional league starting in 93 but a combination of factors but definitely japanese players going and playing in a big league so hachimura as well in the nba really hachimura is playing for washington so they raise the profile of those sports for sure. I don't think a player making it in the CFL would particularly do that because the CFL still has a low profile. Um, it's really only football people that would know about it. 
you guys know yourself, like the CFL and the NFL, they're you know they're completely different entities on a completely different yes. level. Oh like, yeah, so oh yeah. The NFL is you know the massive giant in the room. So like a player making it to the NFL, and it it almost happened. Like um, what is his name? The receiver who was with Atlanta. Oh god, oh. it's like yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, oh my gosh! Like that's he's going. That's really bad now that I just can't remember. But in 2007, um, he actually played in NFL Europe as well. But like he yeah. played all four preseason games. Curry Hara as well spent time with the Ravens in in camp and stuff like that. So there have been Japanese players who come very close to making it. But I, yeah, I think if a Japanese player made an NFL roster, um, Kinoshita, sorry. Noriaki Kinoshita was the, the player for Atlanta. Um, if a Japanese player made it to an NFL team, I think it would be a big boost because what would happen is you would get the mainstream media and the news media that don't cover sports or don't cover football at all would mention it in news broadcasts. And so you would have a, a much wider percentage of people seeing and being exposed to football and, oh, there's a Japanese player in the NFL. What's this? Football? Is it? Oh, this is... Because they'll probably mention then in the news report, they'll go, player X is, you know, now playing for the Bears and he's the first Japanese player in the NFL. Say so Sato, say, you know, Toshiki Sato is now, he's a kicker, but he's, you know, he's playing for the Chicago Bears. And, uh, oh, he started with IBM Big Blue in Japan and Waseda University, the Big Bears. So you would, they would mention those things and then people would know about those teams right. and sports and, you know, they'd look them up and stuff. So it, and that would be an ongoing process. And obviously, if he was successful, it would be in the news more. So, and John, then you would be able to get then then you would be able to send us Bears stuff from Japan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would indeed. I've got enough of it here that I probably could, you know. Well, you got you got you got more coming on the way because I was going through my closet and I found some great Bears jerseys that I think you would like. So, excellent, excellent, good stuff. <laughs> John, thank you for joining us today on our first episode, really giving us kind of an overview. I know we're going to be talking with you much more uh, as we go through this here. Uh, in the first season, I'm excited. I know me and uh, our first season that we're going to be covering it on this podcast, you know, me and Greg are really excited here. Coming up uh, not too long from now, at, at most, so late August uh, is going to be right. the start here. So Yeah, it's, it's August 1st here, so the end of the month, X-League. Uh, x1 area which is division two that will be starting uh, right. college games as well so yeah we're only three four weeks away from serious football in japan and you'll be helping us navigate our way through the translation so we can sign up for the streaming and report on the games over here for uh anybody who's interested and wants to le learn more about you know american football in japan yeah it'd be my pleasure absolutely looking forward to it let's grow the game gentlemen as we're just talking about it you know <laughs> give it a Give it a good kick in the pants and make it uh, noticed for yeah. some people out there. Yeah. So you guys are a very, very welcome addition to coverage of football in Japan. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad to have met you for this first time in person. So it's yeah. it's been a very pleasant conversation with you. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm loving it. You know, you and I have talked offline just by text and everything, but it's been you know it's it's awesome when you can talk to people face to face and because just it you know it, you know I mean all three of us were on different points in the globe here and it's just it, football brings everybody together like i've yeah. told zach i go football unites in more ways than people can count the only actually now seeing is we're talking about the three of us and, and bears connections the only 
Bears connections to to Japan and football that I can think of is it's not a football connection, but Bob Sapp. I don't know if you remember Bob Sapp. The Bears drafted him. Uh, oh God, I can't remember what year. He he was drafted as a lineman, and I don't think he made it out of camp. Uh, so his his football career is basically non-existent. But he was a superstar in Japan. Yeah, in the two thousands, he was he oh. turned to mixed martial arts and pro wrestling. And he there was a time probably around. Oh wait, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I have massive, seen massive. Yeah. Guy. He was, oh, yeah. yeah. I bet you didn't know he was drafted by the Bears. I did not know that. There was, was I was like third I, round draft pick by the Chicago Bears, and there was probably 2004, 2005. There was not a commercial on TV that his face was not on. I was he watching. Was, I was okay, watching a documentary on Amazon Prime, and he yeah. was part of that documentary. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. He was huge, both metaphorically and literally, in Japan. <laughs> Yeah. The only football well, connection to the Bears that I can think of is Earl Molesley, who was a running backs coach for the Bears no. uh, early 2000s. He also coached at Ritsumeikan University Panthers hmm. in Japan. Oh, no kidding. So wow. uh, he coached the Bears and he coached the college team. He was like the running backs coach, I think, for Ritsumeikan. Um, huh. Retired now. He's a Vietnam War veteran. Hmm. Uh, pretty much. He's active enough on social media, but I think when Thomas was playing with, with the Bears and uh, I don't know, was he, he was maybe gone before Matt Forte got there, but uh, yeah, hmm. Earl Thomas. Uh, not Earl, uh, Earl Mosley was the coach's name. So. Earl Mosley. Huh. He's the only Bears connection to football in Japan that I can find. The refri- refrigerator Perry never made it over there, did he? No, the fridge, unfortunately. London Monarchs is the only foreign team that I think he ever played for. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Back with the World League. For that but, one, uh, there's a speaking about meeting people online and talking to them. I got talking to a guy in England who was a Bears fan, and he was. If you've ever seen the picture of Walter Payton and um, Phil Collins, you know, the yeah. tennis drummer, yeah. the yeah. picture of them that, and Phil Collins with his son before the Bears played the American Bowl in '85, '87, uh, was it in, in London? He said he was one of the kids there in the background, so he was actually there in person. So, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you meet you meet all kinds of people. And to me, the internet is one you know the greatest thing ever. So you meet people from all walks of life with all kinds of connections. It's it's great. Uh, part of the reason I love doing this. <laughs> yeah. it's, that's main. That's main thing. I love doing stuff like this. This that's why. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, thank you once again. You know, it's been a great start. Uh, until next time, folks, uh, follow us along at least uh, for Gridiron Japan. We're gonna or Inside Sports Japan. Both of us are very active on Twitter for our profiles. Uh, by search searching our names, recommend you follow us both uh, for sports coverage. Uh, John had a really interesting post that you might want to find on his own rankings of the international leagues. So that one has gotten a lot of. Tra- attraction you have to stir it up i can't be talking about promoting stuff and then not be stirring things up myself (laughs) (laughs) so if anything look for that post that's a great place to to go from there oh that got yeah that got the reaction i was hoping for (laughs) (laughs) but but until until next time everyone stay tuned we got plenty more ahead on gridiron japan (laughs) 